Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. Happy Halloween. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. So happy to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good friend, Mr. Drew Holcomb, his new album, Dragons. Y'all are enjoying it. You keep tagging me in it, tagging me when you're going to the show. I love it so much. He is out on tour right now. So make sure you head to drewholcomb.com and see where he is so you can go to the show and grab a copy of the album. Today on the show is one of my favorite writers and musicians and thinkers. We have been lucky enough to have him on the show before, but Andrew Peterson is here today talking about his new book, Adorning the Dark, and the 20th anniversary of Behold the Lamb of God, probably my favorite Christmas album, and definitely my favorite show at the Ryman every year. So here's my conversation with our friend, Andrew Peterson. I'm so excited. It's the 20th year of Behold crazy. the Lamb of God. Yeah. Does that feel crazy to you? It feels very crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, it's been good. It's, it's been fun because we did a little mini documentary for uh-huh. the record. Um, and uh, so, you know, they, they were there to get footage of the, the recording of the new version, and, um, which was just a party. They were like, I think we counted 38 people. Oh, my gracious. Actually making music on that record. And on the day of the recording, there were probably about 30 people there. And they were all... Y'all recorded the whole thing in one day? Two days, actually. <gasps> Two days, yeah. We did the whole thing. And, you know, there were overdubs later, but we, we I mean, we've been touring it for so long that yeah. we were like, we can just rent one big studio and capture yeah. that kind of, like, energy. But it was so fun because it was just like every five minutes a new dear friend would walk through the door yeah. and you'd be like, oh, yeah, that's right, you're coming too. Yeah. And, uh, and then poor Ben Shive at the helm had to try to, like, get us to stop talking long enough to... Sure get some work done, you know? <laughs> right. But it was just like, what a rare thing. I've never heard of anything like that. No. Where, where, you know, a bunch of artists who have their own careers come together every year for 20 years Yes, to record the same song. You know, it, it's just such a bizarre and wonderful thing. And so, so anyway, on the, in the documentary, um, you know, they interviewed us all individually. And then when I watched the final cut of it, I just cried. I was, Did you? because it was like this wonderful, like, you know, you don't really realize how much the Lord is doing mm. until you take stock and you look back and um, and then you kind of go, whoa, he has done an, an amazing, he has taken care of us in such amazing ways. And mm. um, anyway, that so it's been really crazy. What is that? I mean, I just think of people who are five years into something they're doing or are writing the first thing ever or right. brand new into something. Tell me about the perspective at 20 years that you didn't have on your sixth year when y'all are on the bus doing it again. Right. Well, I think that, I think that it, you know, early on every, I think I, most of us sensed that we were on to something pretty special. Like I think that when we did the first tour, we all kind of looked at each other like, I think this is pretty cool. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we'll be doing this forever, but I think this is where it's doing something. Yeah. And, um, something, you know, like the, the, I always get that saying mixed up. The, the, Sum is greater than the whole of its sums. <laughs> what is that? Every time uh, I try to say parts. that. The word parts is in there. The, the, the whole is greater than the sum <laughs> of its parts. There it is. Okay. Maybe. I think we all sense that. Um, and then for years, every time I, w- I would be wondering, is this the year when people are going to stop calling? You know, like for, for churches. Churches to, to book like, it. Are people yeah. going to get sick of it? And, and they may still. I don't know. But um, I think that it was just a matter of obedience. I think... There's a there's a sense in which in the beginning you know in this town if you if you have a career that's you know 
more than a, more than 10 years, then you know what it's like to be on a label and off a label and yeah. the ebbs and the flows. And, oh, I had a hit this year and I didn't have anything for four years. And, and it's just like um, if you're in if you're doing music because you you like to win races, then you're going to get burnt out. But mm. if you're in it because you like to run. Does that make sense? Yes, that analogy work? Yes. Then you're gonna, you'll be fine. You know. I mean, you, that's true for any creative work, right? If I think you're doing so. it to win, you're, yeah, you're just you're gonna quit in, yeah. in a few years because the wins don't actually feel the medals don't actually go that yeah. far. Those sums are not greater than the whole of the <laughs> sum in parts. That's right. <laughs> so, that's but, right. But if you just enjoy running and sometimes you get to win, yeah. then that's a different story. Yeah. And I think that was what it was like. It was like we just were like, well, this is what I f- think God has called me to do. And until further notice, I'm just going to keep doing it yeah. if I can. How many nights at the Ryman this year? Just two nights. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I say just two nights. Right. Two nights. <laughs> Isn't that that's crazy? Right. Yeah. I'm there for one of them. Me, the awesome. whole teaching team at Crosspoint, that's what I gave oh, up for Christmas. That's is amazing. The day the tickets were on sale, I was like, everybody, set aside the, the state. This is I'm my so Christmas glad. present to you. Thank oh, you. I, I haven't. I've lived here 11 years. I think I've missed one. Wow. So, I mean, amazing. it's just, yeah, it's, it's such a gift that you give our city. Well, I'm so. I'm glad to do it. I, I feel closer to Nashville that night than I do the rest mm. of the year. Like I, I, one of my favorite feelings is after the show's over, walking you know out of that back alley at the Ryman, yeah, and uh, looking up at the Batman building and you know thinking uh, about the fact how beautiful it is that in the heart of the city we get to tell this story, yeah, with this many people and and you know the doxology is still kind of like bouncing around in my head at the end of it all, and I just have this deep affection for the history here and yeah. the, this little tiny blip on the map that we get to be, you know. I saw Lizzo in concert at the Ryman. Do you know who Lizzo is? I don't is? think I know who She's Lizzo a rapper, a uh, singer, uh-huh. rapper, not faith-based. I don't know about her personal life, but her music uh-huh. is not faith-based. But in her concert at the Ryman, she said, what we do in this room tonight will stick to these walls forever and change huh. this place. Wow. And I thought, do you think that's true? I don't know. Do you think she says that every night? She was specific, maybe, but she was specifically huh. talking about the honor of being in the Ryman. Oh, wow. And so then my that's brain went to like, I wonder, I, I feel like that's true for a lot of shows I've been in here for. Mm-hmm. And I would think that's true for Behold the Lamb of God, that there's just something about the shows that shape the room too. Yeah, yeah. And the room shapes the shows. Right. I would say that there's something about the uh, a combination of the architecture and the history of the place that like the it's hard to imagine an artist walking on that stage with a swagger. Yeah. Like, at least on the inside. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they have to know. If they knew. This place is is remarkable. But also, there's something about... Have you ever stood on the stage there before? I've stood on it, it but I haven't gotten to do any yeah. art on it yet. But you know, if, you, if you're standing there, one of the things that makes the room so feel so the way it does is that huge balcony. Mm-hmm. So you've got 2,000 people in the room... But if it's the room, if they're close enough to you to where it feels more like a 500 person show. Okay. So you've, you're kind of disarmed by the intimacy of it all. Mm-hmm. But then what you when when you tell a joke, you get the energy of 2000 people laughing instead uh, of 5000 people. laughing. Yeah. So there's this wonderful like it's vast, but it tricks you and it feels intimate. So when I've seen James Taylor there, Paul Simon there, you know, there's always they're always a little disarmed by how close everyone feels. Yes. And then that plus the history of the place. I think it just makes it the best place in the world to see a concert. Yeah. What's yeah. your favorite show you've seen there? I would say the James Taylor one-man okay. band show. Yeah. Yeah, it was him and a piano player, and it was just unreal. Yeah, the way that room sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, where are your other favorite venues? Oh, man. I don't know. Um, these days, um, you know, it's it's a pretty broad spectrum when you when you do what 
the kind of music that I do because I can end up playing every now and then I'll do a house show. You yeah. know, um, I don't typically do that, but sometimes somebody will pay the, the regular fee just right. to, to have an intimate show. And, uh, and that's really fun in its way. And um, then the big shows like the Ryman shows are always fun. But my, I think the, I feel most alive when it's like a packed three or four hundred member church. Yeah, you know when when they're if it's a smallish room that's jammed with people and you get that energy. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite thing mm-hmm. um, because it's kind of like it reminds me. That's basically what my whole career has looked like. Like yeah. I've I started out playing in little churches and and a lot of the year I I still bounce around the country and play in these medium-sized churches and now they're more full than they were back then but like there's just something very comforting about a church fellowship hall mm-hmm. and and uh an old out-of-tune piano in the corner you know yes. and uh there it's very familiar territory to me yes uh Ke- our friend kelly mentor i think you know kelly mentor as well uh she has a new cookbook that came out and a whole section of it is foods for potlucks at church yes and i was like that is just talking to my heart <laughs> i know man it's so funny we as a pastor's kid like we potlucks were a part of like the routine of our lives which i still don't understand why churches don't do potlucks I don't, more I, often is it allergies now what I is it i don't know i don't know i'm just either. like it's, it's such, such a, a loss beautiful i mean it's such a beautiful metaphor and there, not only is the food good, but like the community building is huge. It's like, mm-hmm. why don't we do this more? Yeah. So this is a PSA for all the people listening. <laughs> That's right. And, and more potlucks. That's right. Um, but as the pastor's kid, we were always kind of like told, don't go first. You can never go mm-hmm. first in line. So I, I almost never got a deviled egg. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, you missed the good <laughs> stuff and it's the deviled eggs. Remember there was only like, you know, two cartons of yes. deviled eggs and like, it just didn't, it wasn't fair. He like got home, you're like, mom, fair. you've got to make us deviled eggs. <laughs> I didn't get one. Um, did you, did I see correctly that you just got back from a, another trip to Sweden? I did. Yeah. Like yeah. two weeks ago. Are you, I, I mean, it feels like you have a whole nother wing of your career in Sweden. Yeah. Sweden and the UK and, and uh, yeah, I love it over That's there. That's fascinating. I love it so much. Yeah. And it started, I think this is my 12th or 13th tour over there. Um and the the people that helped me do the shows over there have become just like some of the dearest friends that I yeah. have, and uh, and I've gotten to know my family. I don't know if I ever told yep. you that story, yeah. but I got to track down my cousins on Ancestry. And, and do you and, see them every time uh, since we've met? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They come to the shows, and and it's just this. What the funny thing about it is that you you have this like deep connection. But there's nothing to talk about. So like, <laughs> right. I realized that this time I was like, oh, good. My cousin's going to be here. Oh, no, I have to think of things to talk about. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, because we just, the only thing we have in common is a great grandfather. Uh-huh. You know? Okay. And so, uh, but it's really special anyway. It's just, I, I feel very blessed to have that. Um, most Americans don't, can't, you know, trace their ancestry to that fine of a point, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. Um, but the fika there, do you know what fika is? No. Fika is this Swedish F I K A. It's it's a Swedish word that is a little flexible, but it means like snack time basically. Uh-huh. And so they have fika breaks at work. They have you have night fika after a show, and they have these like little crunchy breads and cheeses and and coffee, really strong coffee and fruit. And they just they have this system where they just in two minutes they can have a spread set out on a table, and you'll sit there for an hour talking. No, everybody makes their own little food. Yeah, so fika's great, and the coffee's good, and the country's beautiful. But, you know, I just, I love, there's something about playing in Europe um, that it, it wakes up like the missionary in me. Like, you know, oh, like, wow. if you've traveled, you know what it's like, yeah. you're, you're, there's an openness of heart that you experience as a traveler. Like, mm-hmm. you're, you're, you're leaning on the generosity of other people more. Mm-hmm. It's very humbling to, like, 
you know, be welcomed into somebody's home. You don't really know the language sometimes, mm-hmm. or the cultural language at least. And so there's a, there's a you know this posture of your heart that changes a little bit when you're traveling. And then I go there to a place that is culturally, you can't really take anything for granted spiritually. The okay. way that I the, the way that I would do in the South if I'm sure. playing the church. Sure. And right or wrong, that's how I operate. You know, you're yeah. kind of like, well, there's a language that we all kind of yeah. We know what we mean when we say potluck. That's right. Um, but when you go over there, like usually um, the the promoter will be like, hey, just so you know, there's a lot of people here who don't know Jesus. Mm. They're here because they like songwriting. And they heard there's an American songwriter that's in town. And so it changes the way you do things, you know. So yeah. suddenly the gospel feels more beautiful to me and it feels more mm. relevant. I can't wait to find a way to like surprise people with with how wonderful this story really is. And and so, and, and you know, the other side of it is that there's not much of a context, at least in the UK, a lot of the music, when they think of a Christian concert, they think of the Gettys. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? Or, yeah. or like a hymn type concert that's right. theologically rich, whatever it may be. But then when they come to something like I do, and it's just mm-hmm. a dude telling stories mm-hmm. and playing guitar, I think that it takes them about five minutes to go, oh, this is not what I thought. Yes. And yes. then they lean in. So yeah. I, I really love it over there. When you go, how long is your trip usually? Um, in Sweden, it's usually a couple of weeks, um, but we've we've kind of established a little bit of a rhythm where in the summers, we, Jamie and I have gone and spent more time. Yeah. Yeah. Partly because of the friends, partly because of the, the concerts, and partly because Nashville is miserable in July. And listen, I was going to say partly because of the weather. <laughs> it's got to be. <laughs> yeah. Like we got off the plane this summer. We were over there for about five weeks. And, oh, wow. And because uh, we, we did our first Hutchmoot over there, our, the okay. Rabbit Room Conference. Yes, yes, we yes. We did one in Oxford this summer. Oh, and wow. I had some some other shows and conferences I was speaking at. And uh, so we kind of built a little vacation out of it. Yeah. And got off the plane on like August 5th or whatever it was and felt the the wall of Nashville. Heat. Yes. And I just was depressed until about a week ago when Nashville became wonderful again. When it turned. Yep. That's I was, right. I was grumpy. Okay. You did a Hutchmoot in Oxford? Yeah. Was that, I mean, is that like a dream come true? It was really, it, yes, it was a dream come true. We've talked about something like that for a long time. It was at, at a church in North Oxford that was a blo- literally a block. Like you could throw a Frisbee and hit Tolkien's house. Right. And so you were like right in the thick of it. And uh, and once again, it was really like, we, you know, we've done, have you been to Hutchmoot before? No, so I'm sorry. For the people at home, it's, it's this rabbit room conference that we do. Oh, that's not true. I did come. I did come, did you come one year. Yes. When it was at the church over on... Um... Oh, uh, Redeemer? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And so we, it's a, the way I describe it is it's a, it's a three-day feast where we celebrate the way God speaks through story and art and music and community to kind of like declare. So it's not workshops, really. It's not like this isn't where you come to get a publishing deal. It's just a bunch of people, artists and non-artists and, and moms and dads and whatever, and who just love good stories. And mm-hmm. we will have session. I did a session on Rich Mullins and somebody else did one on hospitality and someone yeah. did one on gardening. And so it's this one. And then we have great food and concerts and it's really fun. And so uh, going over to Oxford, or in England, and I would talk about this stuff, and they would be like, uh, there's nothing like this here, nothing mm. quite like this here, I should say. Mm. And uh, and I think it's because, and I don't want to like get in the, the mire of like cultural philosophy, but like, you know, like they, they would describe it as a post-Christian culture right. over there, I think, and which, you know, people are saying like, well, that's probably where America is headed. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like necessarily there are fewer Christians, but more people are admitting that they never were one in yeah, the first place, you know? Yeah. So it's kind of like, it's like a good like reset where we're like, okay, what do we actually think about these things? And so anyway, th- what I think that can do is it can make the church 
feel a little bit beleaguered, a little bit like mm -hmm. on the defense, like where we got to like hold, circle the wagons and like hold tight to what it is that we believe, which means that thing, things like art and music are less important than mm -hmm. theology mm -hmm. or, or like the sermon has to be like, we have to see right. some results. We have to make sure that we're not wasting any time here. And so sometimes it can make the arts feel a little bit like they're superfluous, like we that's less important somehow. Mm -hmm. Whereas we would argue the opposite that right. like not well not that not the opposite not that they're more important but they're definitely as important. Mm -hmm. Like you've got to integrate these things. Right. Um, so it was fun to get to go there and talk about that stuff. Did you take your uh, this isn't the right word but I don't know a better word your your staff for Hutchmoot that you that staffs it here did um, you take them there the the staff of the Rabbit Room was there mm -hmm. but then the the staff for the conference is is pretty robust so. We, we basically told people, if you can get there, we'll put you up. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. But it was just, you know, it's only 100 people at a little conference, so yeah. there's no And you keep the one here all. pretty small, too. Well, we finally expanded to 300 people, so it's it feels it's we're at Christ Community now, and it's okay. it's uh, it's a different beast than it used to be, but it's mm -hmm. still wonderful. It's um it's less intimate, but it's, like, uh, I think more robust. Yeah, once a year, is that right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And tell me what all Rabbit Room does now. Oh, man. Well, we have about th more than 30 books in print that we've published. Did you do all yours besides this new one? Through no. Uh, no. The, okay. the first two of mine were with, with uh, Waterbrook. That's right. And then, that's right. then Waterbrook restructured. And the second two were the second two had no publisher, so mm -hmm. we did that through Rabbit Room Press. Okay. And now Random House has bought the whole series. Oh, and so great. Uh, new editions are coming out in hardback <gasps> next spring. Andrew Peterson. Yeah, super Are fun. you losing your mind about I that? I'm so, so excited. Yeah. That means it's going to like Harry Potter. Well, that's, that would be fine. Yeah. I'd be fine with that. <laughs> um, but they've got new covers and they're, and all new illustrations. Oh my um, gosh. And so, congratulations. Thank you very that much. That is huge. So, so excited about it. Um, yeah, really fun. Will they release all four at one time, like they're a set? They're doing two and two. So they're releasing Dude. books one and two next March, I think, is when they come out. You're yeah. in so much trouble having a private life. You're about uh, to be like <laughs> the famous children's book author, young well, adult author in We America. shall see. That's I, that awesome. Uh, so the uh, anyway, yeah, so we published books and then... Um, Every Moment Holy. Do you know about Every yes. Moment Holy? Yes, I have it on my bedside table. I read it all the time. A wonderful book. We're it's working wonderful. on the the next edition of that. Which oh, okay. It, which I think I'm allowed to say. I don't remember the full title, but it's um, specifically for uh, death and dying. Oh, wow. So Doug is writing a, a series of liturgies yeah. for people who are going through that. So there's like a liturgy for the person who is dying to pray over his family or her family. Wow. And they are just like... Ama like gut-wrenching and so beautiful and yeah. so needed. And so it's kind of funny because we're kind of um, a typical publisher probably wouldn't follow up a big success like Every Moment Holy with, here's sure. one on death and yeah, dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the whole point of it is that we want it to be useful yes. and, and uh, whether we like it or not. Will you um, talk about what that. made y'all do Every Moment Holy and the kind of the idea of it? Because I, I yeah. don't know that we've talked about it on here before, but I think it... Ellie Holcomb gave me my first one. Oh, did she? And then I have... More yeah, it's uh so Doug McKelvey, who's a um, songwriter and poet and novelist who's lived in Nashville forever. I mean, he used to be involved with the art house back in the day. Yeah, um, has become a very good friend. And I, he wrote a liturgy for something kind of like mundane one time. Like he, he's got this amazing deep theology. So he wrote this liturgy, 
and he read it, and I forget which which one it was that started it. But I, I mentioned to him in passing, I was like, wow, that's amazing. I wish I had a liturgy for beekeeping. Mm-hmm. And about a week later, he sent me a liturgy for beekeeping. Oh, wow. And it was about like, Lord, thank you for teaching me about your heart through this wonder of creation. And and I went and stood by the my bee boxes and read it and wept. It yeah. was so beautiful because it just reminded me of the sanctity of this moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so that opened the floodgates, and he wrote one for... There's a litur- two liturgies for diaper changing, liturgies for like the lighting of the first hearth fire of the season, yes. which I read last night with my family. Oh wow! Where you sit and you ask God, bless this, bless our time around this fire for the for this year and the coming years. It's just like, it, like it, what's funny is when I tell people about the book, they're kind of like liturgy. What is? What do you mean? And I say it's just a book of prayers for everyday moments. Yes. And then I read the contents. I'll yes. be like, here's one for stargazing. Here's one for arriving at the ocean. Here's one for Thursday night dinner, mm-hmm. and you see the light bulb go on, and people yep. people see this. So it's just been kind of it's gone bonkers. Like, yes, um, has which, it? Yeah, it's oh, been so really fun to see people um, snapping the book up. So uh, there's and, like a go- getting up in the morning, going to bed. I mean, there's like literally you can find one. Yeah, we the reason Ellie gave it to us is we started a new like. Um, small group kind of thing, very informal. And it was like the first time you gather yeah. with your friends yeah, yeah. for something specific. A purposeful gathering. Yes, yeah, 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 yeah. She read that one over that's us, wonderful. and I thought, oh, that's beautiful. And then uh, Keely Scott read, we had a gathering at Art House, mm-hmm. and she read one from that as yeah. well. They're so helpful. It's so and helpful. And that was the thing. We were just like, this is a, the most useful thing we could imagine. Uh, that is, you know, it's beautiful to hold. The book is really beautiful, it is. but it's also very useful. So it just kind of is, is this wonderful summary of what we love in the rabbit room. It's yeah. just like, yes, art is great, but also um, art should be a way to love. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so it's it's very important. So that's what we do. We find a book and we're like, somebody's gonna, somebody needs to publish this. We're gonna, we'll just jump in and do it. And the beautiful thing that I love about what Rabbit Room Press does is y'all. I mean, every moment holy, the cost to make a book that beautiful is not low. Mm-hmm. And so a big publisher who has a billion things coming in and out the door just de- probably would love to and just doesn't have time or ability right. to do what y'all can do with those. Yeah, so it's a little book. bit boutique, you know, yes. we can we can we're less interested in making money uh, than in putting something beautiful into the world. Yes. And so it's not that we don't want to make money. We we need to to keep the thing going, but the uh but it's not the only consideration, yeah. which is great. Um, so we do that, and we do the local show, which is this every other week singer-songwriter in the round thing mm-hmm. here in town. We have the conference. We have uh, the biggest biggest news is that we we the community raised the money to renovate a farmhouse yeah. uh, in South Nashville to be kind of like the the a f- gathering point for the rabbit room here in town. Okay. And so that's under construction right now. Will you move your offices down there? Well, the offices were already in the farmhouse, but the farmhouse was falling apart around us. Okay. And so we needed to deeply renovate the place, which turned sure. into we took the house apart and and, and built something new and yeah. are reincorporating some cool stuff from the yeah. old house into into the new one. Is it close to where you live? Is it uh, an easy ish, drive? Yeah. yeah, and it's got you know room for like eighty people, oh, so okay. to sit and listen to a concert or a lecture or um, gathering points place for writers groups or whatever oh, so oh man huge kitchen for hospitality and a library yeah. and um of we, course a library can yeah, no one could the, imagine y'all not having a library <laughs> a library with a fireplace this is crazy but we acquired um J.R.R. Tolkien's fireplace what? and we're putting it in the house yeah from his house in Oxford <gasps> so, you're kidding uh-huh. we we found a way to get it it's it's a long story but but I basically emailed the guy that was selling it and said 
hey, I know that you're selling this and some some uh, collector could probably buy it, but here's this ministry that we're a part of. Yeah. And, and if we had this place in this new renovated house in the library, it would be for the community and not just one person. And he emailed back and said, are you kidding? I love the Rabbit Room. We're big fans of what you guys do. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, I, I won't get super specific, but we found a way to get it. Yeah. And, uh, so so the hope is that like in the way that the Ryman is a part of Nashville's story, yes. we've been praying like, you know, God, if it's your will, let this little house, farmhouse, be a part of mm. Nashville's story. Like let's season this this little corner of creation with a celebration of, it, of the way he works through the Lord of the Rings and through great meals and yeah. through uh, Michael Card lectures or house concerts, whatever it may be. Like we just are kind of like kind of dedicating this little corner of Nashville to that part of the kingdom. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation with Andrew to tell you about some of our friends who helped make today's show possible. First of all, your super. I love your super. These powders have changed the game for me in my smoothie making. We all know how important it is to eat healthy and especially going into the holidays. And there's going to be a lot of options to eat really good stuff that may not be the best for your body. You should still do it. But there is a way to also have great nutrition any time of the day. But the reality is nine out of 10 of us don't eat enough fruits and vegetables. And when you don't get the proper nutrition, you increase your risk for chronic illnesses such as type 2 diabetes, heart disease, and even cancer. Michael and Christelle, the founders of Your Super, discovered firsthand how important nutrition is to health. They're professional tennis players, and they were happy and healthy and active on and off the court. But when Michael was diagnosed with cancer, Christelle started making superfood mixes to help him rebuild his immune system. And when they saw the impact superfood mixes had on improving Michael's health, they knew they needed to share it with the world. And I am so grateful for them. Your Super is on a mission to improve people's health with the power of super plants. They make it easy for you to get the nutrients your body needs to thrive. And Your Super's functional superfood and plant protein mixes are made from naturally dried organic whole foods, superfoods, and nothing else. And I love this. Your Super's 100% transparent supply chain, that really matters to me. So you know we're getting the cleanest superfood mixes on the market. Okay, so the two that stay in my cabinet all the time now that I use almost every day is the Super Green Mix and the Forever Beautiful Mix. I usually just mix them in with my smoothie in the morning or with yogurt, anything that's easy to stir into. They taste great, and I know that it's getting a bunch of extra fruits and vegetables into my system that I may not be able to get another way. So you guys, you should try this. Get the cleanest superfood and plant protein mixes at YourSuper.com. That's Y-O-U-R Super.com. And when you use the code SOUNDSFUN, you get 15% off your order. So go and do that. Go to YourSuper.com. And don't forget to get 15% off with the promo code SOUNDSFUN at checkout. Okay, so as long as we are on that taking care of ourselves train, I want to tell y'all about a new sponsor we have called Ritual. Ritual is the obsessively researched vitamin for women, and I am loving it. You guys know that we don't talk about anything on here that we don't try, that we don't believe in. And Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us don't get enough from food, all in their clean, absorbable forms. No shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm to your body than good. It's two easy-to-take capsules provide nine nutrients you need to support a strong foundation for your health. 
These two products have been so helpful for me so far this fall, and I am loving them. So, and I'll tell you the other thing about Ritual. You know, a lot of times when you open vitamins, they smell terrible. Ritual doesn't. It smells like mint. And I think that's really cool that they don't smell bad. They smell like something you want to take that will make your body not just survive this holiday season, but absolutely thrive. Ritual's Essential for Women is the multivitamin reimagined. I don't know about y'all, but I like taking a multivitamin every day, and this is the new one for me. From D3 to Omega-3, Ritual's Essential for Women helps fill gaps in a woman's diet. Their no-nausea capsule design is gentle on an empty stomach, and there's a mint tab in every bottle, like I was telling you, to keep things fresh so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most Omega-3s. Ritual is also traceable and transparent, which I really love. When you read the labels, if you're an obsessive label reader like me, everything you're going to see on Ritual's label is vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. And their sources are out there for the whole world to see, too. Also, I love this, that Ritual is deliverable. A subscription is so easy to start, and it's easy to snooze. It's a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month with no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight. And right now, Ritual is offering our friends 10% off for your first three months. That's awesome. That'll get you into the new year. What a great time to do this. So fill in the gaps of your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit Ritual, R-I-T-U-A-L dot com slash that sounds fun to start your new ritual today. Again, you get 10% off your first three months if you go to ritual.com slash that sounds fun. Okay, now back to the show with Andrew. Do you want to like go back and tell your teenage self that you're about to own oh, man. his fireplace? Oh, man. That is, yeah. There's so unreal. many things about my life that I think I would have just like laughed at. You really? Know? I mean, things that I, I would have thought were too good to be true and things that I would have kind of like you, you grow up not liking guacamole. And if somebody told you, like, you're going to love guacamole when yeah. you're older. Um, <laughs> gardening was that way. My parents were big farmer, gardener people. And uh, we hated it. Like, I just absolutely hated it. I wanted to be skateboarding and drawing comics. And uh, and now I, it's like it's hard to imagine my life without getting my hands dirty and, mm-hmm. and uh, growing, trying to grow stuff. Um, but, yeah, there's... I wrote I wrote about this in the book, um, but there's this feeling that sometimes God gives you exactly what you wanted, mm-hmm. and then some. Mm-hmm. That like I, I, I kind of have this. My imagination's a little flawed when I think about God, but sometimes I think that He's. I think of Him as as unkind. Well, how do I say this? I'm afraid to ask for things. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of like. I don't know where it came from, but I'm always afraid that I'm going to wear out my welcome with people. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if I'm friends with somebody, I'm kind of like in my mind going, get out of this conversation while they still like you. Yeah. Uh, Because if you say the wrong thing, then they're going to probably just write you off. And the truth is I say the wrong thing all the time and people are so much more merciful than I give them credit for, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that's how it is with God. Like there's sometimes when I'm like, um, well, he's given me all these good things. I get to do the Christmas tour and he's let me write these books and whatever it may be, I better be on my best behavior. He's going to change his mind. You know what I mean? He's going to get tired of me. But then like, like I was saying with behold the lamb and with, with the new book, I spent so much time looking back and taking stock. And I was just like, no, actually, I think he actually delights in giving us the desires of our hearts. Mm -hmm. Um, when those desires are aligned with him and his kingdom, you know? Mm -hmm. 
So if seek first his kingdom and righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's like, that doesn't mean he'll give you every little niggling thing that you want. But there are moments when, when you are close to him and you feel this longing in your heart for, I want to serve you in this way. Would you, would you mind letting me sing about you mm-hmm. for the rest of my life? Um, because I love to sing. And it doesn't always work the way that we think it is, but looking back, I'm like, no, actually, he. what I didn't even know that I wanted was what he, he gave me, um, mm-hmm. and then some. Mm-hmm. And so uh, anyway, yeah, I, the rabbit room is that for me. And yeah. So is the, the the books and the whatever. It's just I just can't believe it. But, yeah. um, and, the, and none of those things would would make sense outside of the context of the gospel. Does that make sense? How do I say this? I I don't know what it is about you, but I'm telling you things that I don't. I haven't really <laughs> said out loud very much before. <laughs> this is why your podcast is good, is because you're a good listener. Um, but you're like nodding and looking at me, and I'm like, oh man, I got to figure out what I'm going to say next. Uh, no, but the the. Uh, I lost track of what I was saying. Oh no, bring it back. You were talking about Oh, about outside of the context of the gospel. That yes. that like when I was a kid because I had this like kind of my imagination was fractured a little bit like where church was on one side and art was on the other. Mm-hmm. All the things I loved were on the other side of the fence. Mm. So everything from Skinner and Tom Petty to uh, Batman comics and sure. Spielberg movies. It was all like over here and then Christianity was over here and and nobody, you know, it's not like it's my parents' fault or the church's fault. It was just wasn't part of the way we thought back then was that, hey, what if Jesus is calling to you through Indiana Jones or yeah. Goonies? Or yeah. what if, what if there, what is it about these comics that you love that is peaking a longing in your heart that can only be satisfied in Christ? Yes. And so, so that would have changed the way that I, lens through which I saw those things. And so it wasn't until, we may have talked about this last time, but Rich Mullins' music that there was this collision of, the poetry that I loved and the kind of music, acoustic songwriter music that I loved, and Jesus. Like it was all, he, wait, he's relevant to this thing that I love, you know? Mm-hmm. And so then to think about my, you know, that that just like opened a doorway for me to go, okay, wait, what if Jesus, if it's possible for him to be uh, irrelevant and kind of the heart beating at the center of the kind of music that I love, what if that was true of the kind of books that I love too and yes. the kind of movies that I love? And so it just like gave me a different lens through which to see the art mm-hmm. that was moving me. Because mm-hmm. if it was moving me, chances are it was uh, it was the Lord calling yeah. to me through them. You yeah. know? And C.S. Lewis talks a lot about that sainsuit, the longing idea. Mm-hmm. That, that, that those moments when you're overcome with longing or this like almost painful ache that you can't really name. Yeah. Uh, that, and that ache is peaked by a song or a sunset or some moment in your life. Like I th- I've never met anybody who didn't nod knowingly when That's I talked right. about that. That's Everybody, right. knows Everybody knows that what beyond. it feels like to ache for something and you don't know what the object of that ache is. Mm-hmm. And Lewis said that those were the breadcrumbs that led him to Jesus. Mm. And so, w- you know, one of the things I love about art is that you get to fling these breadcrumbs out across the world yes. and, and then hear stories 20 years later about somebody who said, I was driving down the road and this song came on. Or um, my kids were reading this book, and I was walking through the room, and I was like, "What are you guys reading?" <laughs> and you know, every now and then, God uses what we make to wake people up to that longing. Yeah, um, if we could of, be so lucky to be a part of that, huh? Yeah, it's it's a tremendous. Thing.
thing. Yeah, and then it feels like the fireplace. Like when I think of that story, I think sometimes the Lord goes, you will never guess what I'm about to do. Uh And like a, not in like a serious way, not in like a, the world is going to spin slower tomorrow. You know, like (laughs) not like, but in like a, there's a fireplace that would matter to Andrew Peterson Uh that I'm going to give to him. Well, not me, but to the ministry, yes. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, You're very just for the humble. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. But I mean, like you as one of the leaders of sure. Rabbit Room and it being important. Mm. I like Tolkien. That wouldn't matter to me like it matters right, to you right. in the Rabbit Room. And so I just think, man, what a what an extra credit thing from the Lord. Yeah, that's that's true. It feels like such an interesting gift for him to think of right. that yeah. I wouldn't have ever it's thought of. Pretty amazing. Okay, let's talk about adorning the dark. It's really good. I haven't read Thank it front you. to back. I've read some of it, okay. enough of it to know I will. Thank it you. made me teary. So I hey, stopped. All right. That's good. That's good. <laughs> I went like, you know what? I'm going to wait on this. I have a book due next week. Mm-hmm. And so I'm in the very, you know, that very oh, end. I know. And so I, know. I can't read you while Not I'm trying to do that. Okay. <laughs> it makes me think I've done, I've got too much more to do and I'll never um, no, live it's up. All good. Okay. What made you decide to write a nonfiction book? creativity book. Yeah, well, it, I was uh I think the the beginning of the idea was when I was going into I was working on Light for the Lost Boy, which was like 3 records ago. Mm-hmm. And I was feeling a little bit of writer's block. I only had a couple songs ready, and I went into the studio with uh Andy Gullihorn, Casey Cooley, and Ben Shive. Yep. And who were it's like a dream team yeah. and sat down and played them the three songs that I had and was kind of like and usually that's the case for me. Usually there's this rush of creativity um, when the, the deadline same, same. causes. You yep. know what I'm talking about. So I decided back then that when I got home from the studio that first day, I was like, in order to loosen my, you know, grease the wheel a little bit, I'm yeah. going to journal about what's going on in my head, just just to write something, anything at all. Yep. And so I journaled kind of like in real time what was going on in my head, all the self-doubt, all of the, is this a waste of time? Who do I think I am? You know, uh, maybe maybe God is disappointed with me and he's turned the tap off and mm. I, will n- I will never have a good idea again. Like uh, all of that stuff. Like most people who make stuff know those voices yeah. and they're louder for some people than others. They're usually really loud for me. Yeah. And uh, so I journaled and just to, just to like kind of get the ball rolling and kept track of that over the next couple of weeks and, um, and then made the record. It worked. Like it kind of unstuck me and I'm finish the album. And then a few years later, I looked back at that journal and I thought, I wonder if this would be helpful to somebody. If, if I couldn't think of another book that had dug into the self-doubt and the, the, the fear of the blank page yes. in quite that way, at yes. least from a Christian perspective. Um, and so I'd, I just kind of started writing with a reader in mind, thinking, how can I write something that will on one hand, commiserate, like help you know that you're not the only crazy. Either you're not crazy or you're not the only crazy one. Yeah, I don't know right. which would be better than <laughs> um, so, uh Either way, you're not alone. Yeah, yeah. and that's which is one of the great things about art is it, it tells you that those deep, dark secrets of yours, they, they don't make you quite as, you're not alone in that. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, what a wonderful comfort. That's the, the real, I think, power of the incarnation is Jesus suffers with. Yeah. And so sometimes art is a way of suffering with people. Yes. And so I wanted that to be part That's of it, good. but then to not leave them there, but to go, hey, you're not alone, but also here's some, let me nudge you toward mm-hmm. um, thinking about y- your creative work a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Make a tiny adjustment that might, you know, if you shift the direction of somebody's life by just a little nudge, then over the course of time, that's, that's a right. significant thing. So if I could help people to see that pastors and 
homemakers and uh, accountants and artists and writers, we're all kind of drawing from the same image, the truth of the image of God in us mm-hmm. as part of why we're compelled to make things or mm-hmm. to make the world around us more beautiful. Um, and that's the image of God in us. It doesn't mean that you have to be an artist. Right. Um, and so, yeah. That's one of the things I really loved about Adorning the Dark is it feels like a book that I want to hand, like if I decide someday, I'm not going to do this, to host a conference for anybody who wants to write books. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I don't have the time. I don't have the energy. I don't have the skill. I'm not doing it. But this feels like one of those books I would give to everyone. But then also I thought the pieces I've read, I thought, I think some of my like stay-at-home mom friends hmm. would really connect with the creativity of doing the art that is right in front of you. And that can be raising your children. Oh, man, yeah. I just thought that feels like... yeah part of what you're saying. And here. that's that's a lot of one of the questions I've been getting a fair bit in in interviews is about uh one of my soapboxes is about using the word creative as a noun like I'm mm. a creative mm-hmm. or we've got a lot of creatives in our church I just yeah. can't stand it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm bringing some baggage to the table and I don't like want to make it. people feel bad if you're they say that. You're welcome here. But like I just don't like it because it it implies this like class of creative mm. people. It's like, well, there's the there's the specially creative over here, and then there's the rest of us. Right. And I want to be like, ho, 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 no, 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 no. That is not how creativity works. Um, you could say artists are over there, uh-huh. and that's, that's a difference, but creativity is a broader and a deeper thing. It's mm-hmm. like foundational to who we are as God's people, is everybody's creative. And part of the reason I'm so defensive of it is that my sweet wife of 24 years did not mean to move to Nashville. She moved to Nashville because she she married me, uh-huh, right? And uh-huh. she she's um you know she would be the first to tell you like uh, that she's not an artist type, mm-hmm. and um and it's been so wonderful and grounding because I think you know I've helped her to see that there are ways to look at the world through an artist's eyes, but yeah. she's also helped me to see that uh, there's also something wonderful about just talking about life, you know. Mm-hmm at the dinner table for an hour mm-hmm. without going, you know, super philosophical. Right. And so anyway, so she says she's not an artist. She would say, well, I'm not a creative if she used that, if that language were allowed in my house. <laughs> but, uh, but when you walk into our home, there's always a candle burning in whatever room that she's in. Mm. Um, for years, she could not stop rearranging the furniture until she found the right way to put it in our house, mm-hmm. you know? She's always thinking about the next season and pulling the pumpkins out, you know, yeah. setting pumpkins up, because she is compelled to make our lives beautiful, mm-hmm. right? Our, the, like, our, my kids would agree, like, our lives are immeasurably more wonderful because of her creativity, okay. even though she's not an artist, right? Yeah. And so uh, Jonathan Rogers, a friend of mine, talks about creativity, and, and he said that if it's a pie, the arts only make up one slice of the pie of creativity and not even the most important one. Mm. Because every every time we, he would say, every time we make a meal, we're telling a, a story. Mm. And so there's there's a, a kind of story that McDonald's tells us about what food is for. Yeah. And then there's a story that a potluck dinner tells us about what food is for, right? right. And so creativity is, is using all of these little corners of, of creation to tell a truer story than the world is telling mm-hmm. us, right? And so that is not the sole calling of the artist. It's, yeah. it's kind of everybody. So the book is kind of about helping people change the way they see their, their gifting. I won't make you make a list, I don't think you would do it, of artists that make you think of McDonald's. But tell me some artists <laughs> that feel like potluck artists to you. Oh, man. Um, well, there's the obvious ones. There's the C.S. Lewis and the Tolkien's. But then there's, 
I don't know. Uh, yeah, who are we not reading that we should be reading? Who are you not reading? If you're not reading Frederick Buechner, you probably should mm -hmm. be. I would say, oh, man, wow. These, that's a good question. My, Sorry. my brain just went completely, <laughs> completely blank. Um, I think I've been reading P.D. James. Mm -hmm. I don't know who that um, is. She is a uh, mystery novelist okay. who died a few years ago. She's British. She's these wonderful murder mysteries. Um, she happened to be a believer um, and argued that the murder mystery was one of the most Christian ways to tell a story. Interesting. You should, you should look that up if you're at home and you're wondering what I mean. Yeah, because um, you know that's the genre that's missing from Christian podcasting is everybody's like, when you think about what faith-based podcasting isn't doing that mainstream's uh -huh. doing, behind the scenes, there are people doing some other things coming up, but yeah. no one's figured out how to do a Christian murder mystery. Interesting. Yet. Wow. So if you want that, That's if, fascinating. if Rabbit Room wants to get yeah. into the business of <laughs> podcast serial telling. Yeah. Well, but then, you know, G.K. Chesterton and the Father Brown books, those were all mysteries. Mm -hmm. Um Dorothy Sayers was a mystery writer. Yeah. So there's there's a pretty hefty tradition of Christians who wrote murder mysteries, which is interesting to me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a, because what I love about them is that it's a it's an exercise in seeking truth. Mm -hmm. Like the idea of there is an answer out there somewhere, and we're gonna like we're gonna uh, divide the truth from the lie mm. and and show not only the brokenness of man but the triumph of justice. Right. All of that stuff happens in a murder mystery in a right. way that I think is wonderful. And this is going to sound maybe silly, but when people ask me what music we listen to, honestly, it's the people we know. Yeah. Almost always, it's it's Jess Ray and Taylor Linhart and and uh, Andy Gullhorn and Jill Phillips and Ben Shive. There's this long list of singer songwriters that are not only people that are in our community, but who I genuinely think are some of the best in the world. Mm -hmm. And the same is true of the writing. Whenever the Rabbit Room does a goes to a conference and we set up our booth, and I see Jennifer Trafton's children's books and my brother's Revolutionary War novels and his plays that he's written and Jonathan Rogers' book on Flannery O'Connor. Like there's so, so much of my imagination has been shaped by this immediate community mm. that that's almost all I can think of. Yeah. That's a fine answer. Okay. I think that's great. I won't make you do the McDonald's list, but <laughs> off mic, I may make yeah. you tell me like, sure. who do we stay away from? No, I'm just kidding. Well, one last thing I would say is that that was true in our house so much that we, the music we listened to was just friends of ours. And imagine your kids growing up in a home where like, you know, the same people that you're listening to are coming over for dinner. Right. And Sting came on one time and Aiden was like, is he a nice guy? Where does he go to church? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but it was uh, he just assumed that everybody we listened <laughs> right. to was a, a friend <laughs> was you know? available for friendship. Yeah, pretty funny. <laughs> um, what are your kids doing these days? Oh my goodness, they're just I could cry talking about it. Uh, Aiden is a junior at Lipscomb, mm -hmm. and he is an animation major, and uh, they have a really great animation program there. Yeah. And so he's he's just doing wonderful work, and uh, so proud of him. But he he spoke in chapel at Lipscomb. Oh wow. Um, a uh, few last week, I guess. That's a big deal. Yeah, and I, I he just kind of mentioned it in passing. He was like, "Hey, I'm speaking in chapel. If you want to come," and I was like, "Well, of course I'm going to come." So <laughs> Jamie and I sat there, surrounded by 400 students, and listened to him talk about the calling of the artist in a Christian context and how it's a way of pointing to the new creation. This uh, like, <laughs> my exactly like my jaw was just hanging open because it was like it wasn't just stuff that I had taught him. He was teaching me. He was yeah. helping me to to understand the gospel better. And so he also works at a uh, Grace Community Church yeah. um, as one of their interns. And then Sky is uh, leading songs at like three different churches off and on around. She's a senior in high school, but she's like a, also 
a song leader for a few different churches and writing songs like crazy. And, um, and then Asher is uh, playing drums and road managing and producing. He's got a, a record uh, project out called Namo, N-A-M-O, and it's like this collaborative. It's like he's writing the tracks and getting artists to write the lyrics oh, wow. to them. Yeah. And releasing them as these like cool like compilation EPs that he's doing all the production work on. Yeah. He's a crazy good producer. So like we're just sitting back and watching our kids and and uh, like flourish. And, and yeah. they're, we never told them they had to do music yeah. or art. They just are growing up in this city where there's a precedent yeah. and they just have owned it. But they're they're all doing it in the most wonderful like community building like planted in the church, but like looking beyond the walls of the church with what they're doing. It's just amazing. Like, I, I don't even know what to make of it. I was talking to somebody. Sorry, I'm talking so much. Uh, are um, you kidding? That's why you're here. <laughs> I know, I know. I just... I love this so much. I've got... Uh, my filter is getting thinner and thinner, like, to, to make myself stop talking. But the uh, at Hutchmoot last week, our uh -huh. Rabbit Room conference... Doug, oh, it was just last week? It was, yeah. Oh, okay. It was last weekend. And uh, Doug McKelvey's, um, who wrote Every Moment Holy, his daughter put on a, a show called Dream War, uh -huh. which is this incredible like rock opera about her mental health, and it's just wow. amazing. And she just started kickstarting. And then who else? There's a few other friends of ours whose kids are like beginning to like peel away and do their own thing. Uh -huh. And we're just like sitting back looking at this next generation of kids and going... And there's a part of me, anyway, somebody just pointed out, they were like, this isn't just you and Jamie, this is the village raising your kids. This is, mm. this is your kids, like, this is the result of a whole bunch of people thinking about our role as believers from a kingdom mindset, right. and also like, how do we, how is the work that we're doing pointing to the new creation that got, that is coming? Yeah. How are we, you know, you know, painting pictures of our best guess of what the kingdom is supposed mm -hmm. to look like mm -hmm. with all aspects of our lives. And we're looking at these kids coming up after us who are doing better work than I think we ever did, you know? Yeah. And it's just a wonderful thing. Like, I didn't have that growing up. Right. Um, and to see the fruit of it has been amazing. I think people could, on the outside, look in and see all the ways your influence is on your three kids. How do you see them like Jamie? They're kinder than me. <laughs> <laughs> she is like, very kind. I think you're kind, but kind. she's so kind. Yeah. She's amazing. She's so affectionate and she's the one who like stops whatever she's doing and will just talk to mm -hmm. you. And I'm the one who's usually so busy that I'm like, hey, come with me and do this busy thing that I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but she has no problem just like pushing pause on life and sitting for hours and just shooting the breeze. She's good at small talk. And I, and I mean that in the best way possible. Like, mm -hmm. Uh, I have, like I was saying earlier, like I'm good at deep conversations. Yeah. You know, I like diving in deep quick. Um, and she, she love. we just got a new dog and she will like, she'll love to talk about and laugh about the dog. Yeah. And it's so nice. It's like, oh yeah, this, who wants to live in a situation where everything is a big philosophical, theological question? Because there is like a understanding in culture or a thing where people go, oh, I hate small talk. And it's, and what they're actually saying is I am better than small talk. Kind of, yeah. And what they're actually saying is if it, the because I am also great at small talk. Mm -hmm. I like shooting the breeze about not important stuff yes. for a long time. Yeah. And and it's always kind of hurt my feelings that when people <laughs> do the because I'm like, oh, that's actually what I like. Yeah. Because it yeah. implies you're not as smart. Mm -hmm. And but I love I mean that's true about Jamie. There's just something comforting uh -huh. about someone who will let you just stay in the shallow end for a little bit, yeah, not yeah. forever. Yeah, sure. But. And for her, it's at almost 11 o'clock at night on the dot is when she starts asking existential questions. <laughs> What's her so Enneagram funny. number? Will you remind me? We think she's a two. Okay, a two, yeah. Like, she's a little mysterious. Like, I, I, 
Jamie's kind of, she's a fascinating human being and it's kind of hard to know. Like sometimes people don't know that she's as funny as she is mm-hmm. when they first meet her, mm-hmm. but she's got this really great dry sense of humor and, uh, but it takes a minute to know it. And so we, when we first started digging into the Enneagram, uh, she was like, what do you think I am? And I was like, I have no idea. I have no idea what you are. And, and she was like, let's call some friends. Cause you know, if, if you're in Nashville, you probably know 15 counselors That's or therapists. Right. And so we called like four of them or like, Hey, what do you think Jamie is? And they all said a different number. Oh my gracious. But, but we think that she's a four. Yeah. And my daughter, a two, you mean? I'm sorry. A yeah. A, a you're two. a four, right? My daughter and I are both like hardcore yeah. fours. Yeah. And so anyway, it's, she's, she's just, uh, she's a great gift to us. Like yeah. when she goes home to visit her parents or something, the rest of us walk around like zombies. We don't <laughs> even know what to do. Like really, we don't. It's like the house just is immediately drab, yeah. and you know, the, like the candle isn't lit. You know, yeah. she, there's this intentionality um, that she has that is just wonderful. There's a churchy saying that people say. You know, if your church left the city, would anybody notice? Ooh. And I just think, what a sweet thing for for you to say about Jamie. And it, it clicked in me like, oh, I want people to feel that about me. Like when she's not here, it's different. Yeah. And yeah. I just think that's really kind. I think I may have said this to you last time, but the first meal I ate in Nashville, I sat by Jamie. Really? When I moved here in 2008. Oh, that's amazing. The first meal ever at I Midtown? ate out after Midtown. We went to that Mexican restaurant across the street from Midtown up that hill oh, that doesn't yeah. exist anymore. Totally. That's and so it, I felt so welcome. That's amazing. I know. It was us yeah. and the, and Kevin and Mandy Mann. And, yeah, yeah. and you were, I think you were on the road. I don't remember yeah. you being there as much. We but went J- there a lot, Jamie though. was right there on my left and just made me feel like I had been sitting at that table my whole life. That's amazing. It was really, really kind. That's amazing. Okay, Adorning the Art, did you write it out in your cabin? I do want you to talk about your cabin I wrote before most, we're done. most of it out there. Okay, yeah. how did you, is it a tiny house? Um, You know, there's no running water or anything. It's just, it's just uh, on paper, it's a, it's a, an outbuilding. Oh, uh, okay. But it's like you f- could buy at Home Depot. N- well, I built it though. Like, oh, yeah. So I didn't, did. I didn't like, uh, I, I didn't personally, but you know, I contracted a guy okay. to build it. But, um, yeah, it's just I just mainly needed a place to put all the books that were piling up in our bedroom. Jamie right. was like, "When are you building something? <laughs> Build I'm a building and put your books in." <laughs> yeah, so there's a, just all you know a bunch of books and uh, there's a fireplace and and um, yeah, it's just a place to go and kind of be. The funny thing is, I my favorite thing about it is not being alone out there. It's when I have a group of dudes come over. Mm-hmm. Those are the nights that I most love having the chapter houses where it just feels like that's what you call it, the chapter house. Yeah, okay. yeah, and um. It, it it just feels like a, a place to like bro out. Mm-hmm. It's not like you know Jamie's allowed out there. Sure, like sure, 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 sure. But, like, it's not only guys, but those are the nights that I feel like, oh man, I really love yeah. sitting around with a couple dudes and talking about a book or whatever. Yeah, your bro out and other people's bro out are probably pretty different. Like there's <laughs> like you're like there's no yeah, betting there's, on horses. Yeah, there's no football. There's games. no football. Mm-hmm. We're talking about books yeah. around a fire. I am a seven, but I have some real fourness in me because I mm. attribute meaning to everything. And so, oh man, I like, yeah, I, it's, I laugh at myself sometimes and I'm like, I bet the reason that piano is in your kitchen is because it feeds you. And I'm like, stop, <laughs> like, I can feel it in me. Oh, I can boy. feel it in me. But I don't have a desk in my office right now. Tell me how you picked a desk. Does your desk matter to you? I, I oh, need a desk to write on. Yeah. 
I actually write on on the couch more than the desk. Okay. Yeah, partly because the fireplace, the couch is next to the fireplace. Yes. But in the winter is when I I'm I get the most done. If it's during the summer, the, when the weather's nice, I feel I I'm I can't sit still because uh-huh. I'm always wanting to go outside and work on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the winter, when I've got no, it's kind of like cozying up and watching a, a movie at two in the afternoon because yes. it's raining. Yes. That's when like my real creative. Yes. That's when I feel like writing. Um, but no, I don't. The desk is just kind of a piling point for me. Okay. Yeah. Oh, too. I was really oh, ready sorry. for you to give me. Oh, don't apologize. <laughs> I will find a way to find a desk that means too much. Don't yeah. worry. Uh-huh. I just was gonna let you lead me there sorry. with your chapter house <laughs> and your Tolkien fireplace. I was like, oh, oh man, Andrew, help me. But no. Okay. Well, I'm just excited for my friends to read Adorning the Dark. Thank you for writing this. I yeah. think this is such a such a gift, truly. Thank you very much. It is much. such a gift. I was thinking earlier when you were talking, and this probably happens to everyone when they're 100 years old, but and accountants will have piles of taxes that they've done that have mattered. But I just think you'll have such a collection of work. You yeah. already have it. But as you continue to make, I just think, man, what a, what a gift you've given our planet. Thank you. In so many different ways. I am so personally grateful. Um, the last question we always ask, if you'll recall, is because the show's called That Sounds Fun, mm-hmm. tell me what you do for fun. Okay. So I was thinking about this on the way here. Oh, good. Okay, great. Knew, Prep. It's like, what do I say? And uh, I think my best answer, uh, hopefully is not a long answer, but That's I hard. used to love to draw when I was yeah. a kid. And I thought I was going to, I went and like interviewed at Savannah College of Art and Design sure. my senior year. And that was when I realized I wasn't good enough mm-hmm. to make a career of it. Mm-hmm. I, I just was like, I think I'm going to go music instead. <laughs> uh, but my son draws a lot. Um, and every time I see his work, I just go, oh, man, that sounds so fun. Um, and when we were gone this past summer, he was kind of keeping an eye on the property for us. And mm-hmm. he moved a drawing table in front of the, the center window of our house and was doing a lot of work there. And uh, for weeks, it was still there. We got home, and I was like, oh, every time I saw it, I felt my heart go, <laughs> sit down and draw. Yeah. And I just have a hard time doing it because it is not – it wouldn't make any money. Yeah. Like when you're self-employed, it's hard to give yourself the freedom to do things that are kind of a waste of time. Yeah. Because you, you never clock out. Yes. You're always going. Uh, and so that sounds fun to me right now. I've been trying to – I bumped into Kim Thomas. I don't know if you sure. know her. And I told her that, and she was like – I was like, yeah, I just feel like I, I need to do it. I want to do it, but I can't. I can't justify it. She was like, well, let's talk about that. Why can't you do it? And I was like, well, it was because it doesn't add to the bottom line mm. and it doesn't feel productive. And she was like, can I suggest that maybe that's the best reason to do it? Right. And uh, and I was like, oh, yeah. So yeah. all that to say, what sounds fun to me right now is wasting a good two hours a day just drawing something. Oh, I hope you get to do that. Thanks. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. I'm really grateful. Oh, friends, don't you just love him? He is so smart. Listen, it takes a lot to have everyone here behind the scenes at That Sounds Fun tear up during an episode, but it happened today. I'm just so, so thankful for Andrew's work and his words and his kindness and his friendship. I just think the world of him. Make sure you grab a copy or a lot of copies of his new book, Adorning the Dark. I sat and ordered a handful yesterday and to give out to some friends. So Adorning the Dark is available everywhere. Make sure you grab a copy. And if you have never seen Behold the Lamb of God on tour, you guys have got to go to Andrew's website. Go to Behold the Lamb of God. Check out and see if it's coming close to you. Make sure you've downloaded the new album so that you are ready to go when you get to the show. And make sure you follow Andrew on all the social media places. Tell him thanks so much for being on the show and what really stood out to you today. I love seeing y'all telling our guests um, how their words matter. So thank you for doing that. 
If you need anything else from me, you know it. I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs all over the place. F today is for Fireplace because I'm thinking about their first fire they had and the really cool fireplace they're putting into the building down in South Franklin. So F as in Fireplace. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That's how you can find me. So go out and do something that sounds fun to you. Maybe a little Halloween-y thing and I will do the same. And we will see you back here on Monday with my friend y'all are gonna love first time on the show Emily Lay oh I can't wait see y'all on Monday